conversation with Trans Smith. A conversation with a conversation with Trans Smith. A conversation with Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Conversation with Trans Smith. I'm your host, Trans Smith. Today's guest is a Black non-binary femme queer nerd who has passion for culture and social social change. Excuse me. Please welcome Nehemiah Roll. Hi, hi. Nehemiah. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I really wanted to do this because I think it's so important for generations to talk about where we are and especially in our community yes and um but before we get into that i want to know a little about your origin story so it's almost like you know i'm marvel and i'm asking you to do your origin um film <laughs> so you <were, laughs> so you were born in florida is that correct yep yep Okay, tell me a little bit about that. What was that like? What city were you from? Oh, so I was uh, born in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, and oddly enough, like I always say, I was born in Florida, but grew up in Atlanta, kind of in and around uh, Atlanta. Uh, and it's because my parents divorced uh, right around, I would say, eight for me. So I would spend like my academic year in Georgia and then my summers in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, spending time with family, um, attending a very interesting like performance arts based summer camp. Uh, so okay. much of my like Florida is through the lens of family and performance, actually. Okay. So what was it, that camp like, that performance camp? Oh God, it was, so uh, the name was, uh, and I think they are still around uh, in the same form, who knows, but uh, it's called ICY uh, and it is kind of a hybrid of uh, a performing arts camp as well as a camp that still takes care of like the whole student. So you took courses in math uh, and in science and in history, but you also had experiences in choir uh, and in dance and also Oddly enough, karate. So oh, <laughs> it was that, a kind of wraparound camp, so to speak. Oh, great. I mean, I'm sure that was great. Did you go every year or was that just a one-time thing? Uh, I went every year until I was about 13. Uh, and then that's when my mom was like, yeah, I'm doing the raising by myself. <laughs> so mm, yeah. uh, there were no more Florida trips during the summer uh, to at least uh, do the camp and, and see my dad. It was mostly uh, trips here and there to see my grandparents and my mom's side of the family. Okay, so now you said you were raised in Atlanta. Now, did you live there for uh, um, um, a long amount of time or oh, before totally. moving to New York? Yeah, mm -hmm. what was that? Uh, Atlanta was so, so interesting. So for me, and this is the kind of primary lens with which I view Atlanta back then and now, uh, mm -hmm. I come from a very, very queer family. <laughs> oh, okay. So tell me about that. I'm interest, interested in that. Yeah. So. Uh, my mom has three children. Sorry, four children, LOL. <laughs> four children, three <laughs> of whom are queer. Uh, myself, my younger sister, and my older brother. Um, my uncle is a gay man. Um, my mm -hmm. family is just, you know, peppered with folks of the entire LGBTQIA spectrum. Uh, so right. that was kind of the lens with which I got to know Atlanta. So 
it was uh -huh. like pride when I was like 15 um, and okay. <laughs> uh, experiencing uh, like Atlanta through mostly queer experiences uh, in addition to pride also like the churches that we would visit, the, the friends that my mom would hang around, um, the kind of media I took in, all of it was very, very queer. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's, I think that's amazing because you really knew your identity at a very young age. Mm, mm -hmm. it's, it's so interesting because this summer kind of uh, offered me the opportunity to get to know another part of my identity that I didn't think uh, was even a part of me. But queerness definitely was there and still is the kind of foundation or bedrock for who I am and how I show up in the world. Mm hmm. Wow. I mean, I think that I think that's amazing, amazing, because so many people really want that. And so many of us, you know, either didn't have it or we had to really fight for it. Totally. Um, oh, wow. This is great. Um, so when. All right. So did you go to college in Atlanta or did you go somewhere else or. Yeah, I actually went to college in two different places. Uh, and okay. Actually, it's, it's funny because my fun fact, whenever I like have any kind of social situation I have that require introductions of some kind, um, is always that I've attended five elementary schools, two high schools, two middle schools, and two universities. Uh, and mm -hmm. all of that minus the two universities were around Atlanta. So uh, okay. I went to a university in North Carolina and in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, so what did you major in? Also another winding road. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, that's what the journey is. <laughs> it was a weird, uh, college really, as far as majors, was definitely a weird but formative time for me. Um, I started off wanting to major in musical theater because okay. I had this like very singular dream of going into music composition and conducting. And I was either going to be the first black director of the New York Philharmonic or the artistic director for Cirque du Soleil. Uh, very specific dreams. Wow. And uh, when I first started applying to college, I had this one dream college that my mom, uh, I come from a kind of prophetic family and prophetic background. So she kind of spoke this one college over my life for years. And when I was waitlisted, I was like, okay, Definitely not going to do the composition rap, but musical theater is still there. So my first major in college was musical theater. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, so you would consider yourself a triple threat, sing, act, and dance? Uh, a triple threat in that I am a singer, I move when I am asked, and I act all the time. <laughs> all right. So when did you decide, all right, I'm moving to New York? <laughs> New York actually chose me. I did not choose it. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, I, my first all performers want to be here, but how did it choose you? Oh God, uh, my first job out of college was working in higher ed, and I thought for sure that was going to be the ticket. But then right. um, my boss, who worked at uh, Wake Forest, he's the provost of Wake Forest, also mm -hmm. uh, was the I think senior associate dean. Uh, titles aside, worked at uh, NYU Wagner. And his boss started working for the president of NYU. So the work uh, that I had done around like project management and, and public programming and events uh, with kind of a, a social justice and diversity, equity and inclusion bent was what they were looking for, for someone to kind of do similar work uh, with the president and like the senior leadership at NYU. Okay, great. So how long, I mean, how long have you been in New York now? 
I've been in New York now about, gosh, I want to say four and a half, five years. Yeah. Okay. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Yeah, I am 28 years old. Oh my God, he's so young and so <laughs> ambitious. I love it. <laughs> but I mean, that's great. I mean, everyone's journey is is so different and it's so it's so great to hear such a positive journey. And now that you're here in New York, what have you done performance-wise? Now, I'm going to talk about what you do, as you call, during the day. But <laughs> as far as performance-wise, what has what have you done since you've been in New York? Oddly enough, nothing. And okay. there is a particular reason for that. <laughs> okay. What is that? Uh, so... Performance for me, and I'm still kind of negotiating my, my relationship with performance in many mm -hmm. ways, um, has always been sort of, I would say, antithetical to how I normally live my life. Okay. So I normally live my life in my head. <laughs> okay, like a lot um, of <laughs> Yeah, I'm a very heady person or, or can be a very heady person. And mm -hmm. performance for me uh, wasn't necessarily like the stark opposite, but it definitely was getting out of my head, getting into my body, and, and in many ways, getting into my heart. And uh -huh. that kind of work wasn't something that I thought I would be doing here in New York. I thought I was still going to continue the sort of life of the mind or, you know, doing work that is very like knowledge based or, or intellectual in nature. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be around performance. So until recently, a lot of what I've been doing is, you know, event and experience curation with performers rather okay. than just performing myself. Oh, okay. So can you be more specific about that, that part of it, what you were doing? Yeah. Um, for like the last two and a half years in particular, uh, I've been working with a New York-based opera company called City Lyric Opera. And okay. they've been around, I think, for as long as I've been around in New York. Uh, two fantastic women. Uh, in fact, all mm. three of us kind of comprise the leadership of the organization. Um, and mm. we are all from the South. Uh, I'm from Georgia. Uh, mm. Katie, uh, she is from Tennessee. And, and Megan is from Georgia as well. But okay. we all didn't meet until we got here. And working with this company really allowed me to marry both of my passions for sort of like creating and, and curating in that sense um, right. and doing it with the purpose of showcasing other people's talents. So I would oh. curate uh, salons. Um, I would curate special events. Um, and just recently, I was a dramaturge on a production uh, with the company. Oh, great. Wow. So let me, let me switch over now. Now you tell um you told me that you work for, is that, make sure it's right, TED conferences? Yep, yep. Okay, tell me about that. <laughs> so most people, when they uh, experience or come to know TED is through TED Talks, traditionally. Right. Uh, uh -huh. TED conferences is the company that publishes these talks and put out these talks and curates these talks uh, that we have come to know and love and kind of make fun of, LOL. Right. Oh, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. And so my job in particular is I, I work on the curation team. And a lot of what I do is curating content and events with our speakers after they've given their talk on the TED main stage. And so I have the phenomenal job of curating their life beyond the stage, so to speak. Wow. I mean, that's major. It's, it's so much fun. 
<laughs> no, it's, but it's major. Like, how long have you been doing that? Oh God, I've been with Ted now for about a year and five months. Um, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. I mean, I feel it's so funny because as I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm at a TED Talk, so. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I call that an occupational hazard at this point. So. <laughs> but I love it. I love it, Nehemiah. I really do love it. I was, I was just thinking about yesterday um, when I first met you and met you and Mike, you know, from that faithful game night. And I, 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 when I saw both of you, I was just so happy, one, to see two people of color, all this joy, and it just made me feel really proud. And I had, I've always, sometimes I've always, if I've gone out to places and stuff, I always just like to watch people from, from afar, but then to actually see younger people, like I said, people of color, and just enjoying and just all that joy. Baby, it made me so happy. I just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> but um, Thank you. And honestly, oh, the, the feeling is, is so mutual. It's something that me and Mike always talk about, which is whenever we see you, it feels kind of like coming home in a place that may not always feel like home. True. So I love that. True. Because, I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be in certain spaces and to feel comfortable. Now, do you, you seem very confident um, from day one when I met you. <laughs> do you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you've gone to a space like a bar or anything with other people, uh, other people are in our community, the LGBTQIA community, and not feel supported and not feel comfortable? I would say, unfortunately, more often than not. Yes. Um, and a lot of it, I can also say, fortunately, has not been because of something that someone has done specifically to me um, okay. or something that someone has sort of uh, done in my presence. But it's just been some of the more cultural elements of these spaces. So it could be whether or not the space is just even friendly to people of color, which yes. there's that. <laughs> Yes. And then it's also the way that being a person of color and being a black person in particular in these spaces, mm -hmm. I've always felt I can either accept the role that they want me to step into when I walk into these spaces, or mm -hmm. I can face the consequences of what might feel like isolation because I am just going to be me and I have frankly no other choice. Right. I understand. I mean, I totally feel the same way. I mean, cause it's, I'm experiencing now that I'm getting older, not just me being a person of color, but also my age. I, I feel that sometimes coming at me. And it's yeah. not always from younger people. Mm. It's, not, it's not from the young ones. That, they always give me love. You know that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, it, so I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at now, trying to navigate that and, and, you know, trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit in the community now? And, yeah. you know, and it's hard. Where do you think you fit? Do, do, or do you feel like you are unseen? I don't feel like I'm unseen, uh, but I okay. do feel like that I am in a process right now in particular where I am crafting a different image. Okay, but that's great. So what, can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about your process and where the journey is? Yeah, uh, so, I came out as non-binary actually last summer. We're coming up upon 
upon the anniversary of me even just sharing this with Mike. Um, okay. And for me, being able to craft, recraft, draw this image of who I am in the community. And now I would definitely say that I consider myself to be someone who is and wants to be a kind of cultural narrator in this community. Okay. Nice. I like that. So your 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 journey to non-binary. Tell me a little bit about that. And when just tell me a little about it. And also my my listeners, because you know, a lot of people don't understand what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and you know, just just give us a little bit more. Yeah. So for me, um coming to terms and accepting and honoring that I'm a non-binary person uh meant really having a lot of distractions stripped away. Okay. <laughs> and that came in the, you know, major global event, uh, the pandemic and quarantine here in New York and being cut off from so many spaces that frankly had so many distractions. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I loved and hated that period <laughs> because it also forced me to contend with these deeper truths. And these weren't just like, you know, brief asides. These were actually moments where I'm like, no, I've been unknowingly part of a kind of an internal campaign of denying myself this kind of joy and expression. Right. right. Um, and a lot of it came in the form of you know, not dancing in certain spaces or just being careful about the kind of image that I was putting out there and, you know, whether or not I was going to be the kind of articulate Black person they wanted in that particular space or time yeah. and what that even meant for me. So having all those like spaces and distractions stripped away, it was like, yeah, I don't really like being in my body. And I mm -hmm. sat with that feeling and it was because I felt a shame that I didn't feel like even a, a queer man. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, so if I don't consider myself a cisgender queer man, who the hell am I? And it was hard to even name that I'm a non-binary person because the image that was fed to me was white, uh, tiny and rich. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't really, or at the time, I didn't see too many people like me. And finally, yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? It's either continue to engage in those distractions, engage uh -huh. in some behaviors that was also, you know, I think kind of a, a cry for help and a cry for wanting authenticity without uh, conditions. Right, um, right. It took all that uh, for me to finally say, yep, this is who I am. And now it's giving me this liberation of assuming the role of the cultural narrator, which isn't necessarily a role that is, you know, front and center always, or a role that uh, was what I was playing before, which was kind of like trying to get to know New York as uh, intimately as possible. That's all right. I <laughs> so do you feel a certain amount of freedom now that you've identified as non-binary? Yes. Yeah, right. It just seemed like, like you said, everything is just stripped away. Yeah, it's it's this feeling that I kind of get to define who, who I am are. and how I show mm -hmm. up in certain spaces, which I love. Um, and it's also for me just this like reconnection to a joy that I think I kind of disconnected myself from in my childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Now, it, I mean, I, I guess that's one good thing that came from the pandemic, right? We had to actually go inside ourselves and yep. figure it out. I mean, I did too. I did the same thing too. And um, I mean, I started this um, podcast during the pandemic. So, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's amazing. I, um, I mean, we're in, what, we're in Pride Month this month and yep. lots yep. going on. Have you done anything so far? Or do you have any plans for this month? Uh, I'm trying to, you know, make plans. It feels like every time where I've like made plans, something has fall through or <laughs> as of recently, I've like slept through things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that. <laughs> and I'm like, what, like, for instance, uh, I, I so badly wanted to be um, at our uh local bar icon for for queen's pride and mm -hmm. we had done a late brunch we had gotten brunch around like two mm -hmm. so we were there from two to like three thirty, feeling great and i'm like you know what i'm gonna take a nap because if i don't take a nap <laughs> i'm just gonna be groggy later on i have work tomorrow and all that jazz so right. i got my ass in the bed uh-huh and i slept from like it had to be 4 30 till about 11 o'clock Oh my god, <laughs> that's like a whole night's sleep. But it, and it, but frankly, and fortunately, it wasn't just me. It was also Mike as well. And we turned over and we were like, "Well, happy uh -huh. pride." Oh wow! Can I ask you about you and um, Mike's re uh, relationship? Yeah. Okay. How did you guys meet? So uh, we actually. <laughs> We, we used to joke that we met at Bible study, but then people would just like believe us and then it would just get weird. Uh, <laughs> so in the spirit of honesty, <laughs> we met uh, on, on Tinder and okay. met when I was actually visiting New York because I was visiting my brother who's been uh -huh. uh, here for a minute. Um, and I was on Tinder over the Christmas break and uh -huh. we swiped right on each other and we're talking and then uh, nothing really came out of it. I had gone back to North Carolina, but then when I moved up here to New York, like the day after I got on all the apps as one does. Um, and yeah. I told Mike that, hey, you know, I moved to the city. Do you want to go out and get a drink? And he invited me out to Boxer's uh, Hell's Kitchen for uh -huh. happy hour. And I feel like ever since then, we've been in each other's lives. Oh, I, I love you guys together. It's just, it's, like you know, you know how much I love you too. <laughs> but, the feeling uh, is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to switch gears now. I want to talk. I want your opinion on some things. Uh, I want to in the field of TV, film, social change, and yeah. you know, um, did you? How did you feel about the TV show Pose? I loved it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, I wish I had that when I was coming up. Yes. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people my age wish we had that. Even though I lived a lot of that and I experienced, you know, you know this this show was very true to what that time period was. Yeah, and, and I experienced like that, and um, so it's I don't know. I just think it's great. I'm where do you think it's going to go next? Now that the season, the, the three seasons are gone, do you think it's going to be? somebody else is going to come along and take the next step with this? Oh, hmm. I... In, is, it that, is it just a one-time deal? 
I think the show as like a single entity is a one-time deal. And I love that about it. Uh, right. and I also love that both the show just by virtue of existing and then also by the work that so many of its stars uh, on screen and be- uh, on camera and behind the camera, the work mm-hmm. they've done to take this moment and make it a formative one for the industry. Exactly. And they're working. They got so much work ahead of them. After oh, all my this. fucking God. Yeah. <laughs> the work. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, this free speech here, babe. <laughs> No, it's I like I I've known uh, Dominique for many years mm-hmm. and I'm so happy this moment is happening uh, for her. Yes. So happy. So happy. And, you know, I love I have a special thing for MJ. Mm, yes. I don't know what it is. I just want to meet her, you know. Mama Blanca. And, yes. I love Blanca. <laughs> and there are some times when she's acting and I'm like are you like these, these were, and also it could be just a testament to how inclusive, you know, Janet Mock and others have made the writing, the writer's room um, right. and the whole writing process. But there are moments mm-hmm. where it's, she's not, you know, these aren't words from a script. These are words that were in her that found their way to a script. Right. Exactly. Cause you, you, I get the feeling that not only the uh, writing room was diverse, but also they asked the actors Yes. Too. So it was very inclusive. Yes. And you don't usually get that. Not for a major TV show. You, you and, just come in and work. Absolutely. And and to the like degree, and not saying that it couldn't have gone further as far as representation, uh, right. looking at its existing representation and how it has such nuance and shade and hue to it, because it, it could have right. also been all light-skinned people. It could have also been, yeah. you know, something to mm-hmm. where it wasn't depicting the, not only rich lives of these people, but the ways right. in which colorism and the ways in which, you right. know, passability uh, and other and other elements of who they are as people inform their characters' experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, they bring up all that stuff and, you know, colorism and also, pass- like you said, passability in this, because with Angelica Ross, who I love. Oh, right? Candy. <laughs> oh my God, Candy. <laughs> I'm like, we all know somebody like her. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, I am Candy. I feel like Candy is. I'm either like, I feel like Candy is most definitely just to, I guess, use you know astrology because the girls are into it, myself included. Right. Um, uh-huh. I'm definitely more of a like a Candy Moon, but I am an Electra Rising. <laughs> <laughs> What sign are you, by the way? Uh, I'm a Capricorn sun, but I'm oh, a Leo Capricorn. rising. Uh, okay, I'm an Aquarius. Oh, Ooh. Capricorn. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> but also, fantastic conversationalist. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know why? Because we're so curious, you yes. know. And, uh, they always say that Aquarius is the fine line between genius and insanity. Yeah, and y'all just love to tap toe. It's like, just surround it and yes. <laughs> Oh, man. So what would you... All right, if you had the the perfect TV show that you wanted to see... Okay, we talked about Pose. What would you like to see on the screen, on the small screen? Uh, I would either like to see... Characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Characters or, or even a full, you know, full-fledged TV show. I mm-hmm. would love to see either an anthology, like a, a uh, dramatized anthology, or even just like a scripted drama about different forms of witchcraft as it intersects with culture 
And I think what I'm so excited to see, especially in the young adult novel space, is the Mm -hmm. way in which they're depicting magic and magic systems and Mm -hmm. uh, spiritualities from across different cultures to where you are reading more about everything beyond just, you know, European forms of magic or (laughs) like the Latin and (laughs) all of that. So I Mm -hmm. really want to see that because that can be such a, a, a crucible and such a doorway for talking about other identities and lived experiences and how it intersects with things like colorism or, or nationality, mm-hmm. um, you know, citizenship in certain countries. So it's, it's out there. And I felt like American Horror Story Coven okay. looked like it for like two yes. seconds. And, mm-hmm. and as did American Horror Story Apocalypse, just like yeah. the... I was appreciative of the story is uh-huh. different, but yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the you know since they're coming out with these American horror stories stories mm-hmm. that are coming <laughs> <Yes>. out, <laughs> yeah, and also and a new season. And now that they have all these other characters, you know, they cross, you know, they got a lot of people from Pose in these in these uh, some of these episodes. So I'm curious to see what where that journey is going to go. Oh, totally. I mean, I think I'm super excited for what American Horror Story has done for, I think, for a lot of people, unearthing their relationship between queerness and horror um, Mm -hmm. and unearthing their relationship between queer coding and villains and villainy. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that this also, you know, brings forth some other queer villains who aren't just, you know, queer by virtue of being queer coded, but are actually some queer badasses that I really want to see. I know I want to see that. Uh, speaking of the badasses, all right. Far as film coming up, and far as I'm gonna go the superhero route. What do you okay. want to see? What do you want to see? And- oh my god, there are so many things. It's it's not even about what I want to see because I feel like we all know the uh, House of Mouse has okay. their hands in everything. Yeah, as far as like the Marvel side of things, and they're also working with some pretty great writers um but also some of the comics that are coming out by some of these amazing writers i mean we had a boon with uh roxanne gay and with um tanahosi coates uh, and with ira madison the third all writing for comics at one point and i can't wait to see more of that and more of you know tv and film adaptations of those uh really transformative stories right so you know yeah what? we'll see yeah i'm looking forward to the eternals Oh my God! Yes. I'm really looking. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I know, I know. I, it makes me sad because I also was looking forward to uh, DC's uh, New Gods that was going to be directed and I think oh. also co-written by Ava DuVernay. Oh, wow! That should be interesting. I know, I know. You know, it, it's I, maybe it's sitting somewhere, and maybe this was just not its time. Yeah. And, and, you know, so much content out there now. You notice that? It's like everywhere. But there's so many outlets for it now, you know? There is. Uh, and once upon a time, like, Mike and I both used to try to keep up with all of it. Uh, we w- it, was, it would be nothing for us <laughs> to stay up until, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. Just watching show after show, movie after movie, because there was just so much out there. All right. Wow. And I'm going to go on one more topic. Um Drag performances. I know you love RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. <laughs> so how did you feel about the outcome this year? I thought it was great. I mean, honestly, uh-huh. both seasons 12 and 13, they had an impossible task. And those folks, I think, did it 
pretty damn well. Uh, yeah. There are certain things, like certain nuances in the show. I'm like, ooh, the way that you gave a character a particular edit right. felt racist because it was racist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but those aside, overall, I think is doing some incredible work for as far as showcasing what drag has to offer. Yeah, I knew I knew one of the um, the competitors this season. I, I have had a few friends that I've been in, and that was Rose. Yeah, yeah, I I met Rose many, 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 many years ago. Yes, and, yes. And we, um, he was a, a waiter at um, this restaurant I used to go to all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, he wasn't Rose yet. <laughs> uh, yes. We talked about it. You know, I knew him as Ross. And um so I when I when I saw him, I thought, oh my God, this is so great. I was like, because I remember when he was just, you know, trying to, you know, get this off the ground. But um yeah, I I I think um we're actually, you know what, we were talking about I was with someone last night. We were talking about drag how in the very beginning it was so it was such it was about being defiant. Yeah. And mm-hmm. And it was it wasn't pretty, you know, in the mm-hmm. at first. And we talk about how it's progressing. It's in every country. RuPaul's Drag Race is on. It's on. T- how 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 many of these you know throughout the world there are? I watched them all. Like it, <laughs> I heard this. I, I heard yes, this. I still subscribe to Wow Presents. I still <laughs> take that lovely three ninety nine out of my account every month, uh, and I watch it all. So I I heard Spain is hot. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of your listeners <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in that because I have so many thoughts about Spain so many thoughts about Down Under and Spain separately and also being uh, shown at the same time uh, yeah <laughs> wow well before we end this off Nehemiah I want to ask you because I'm, I'm taking this off the top of my head what music are you listening to right now ooh so Give me Two. if you can if you can give me three, either three artists or three songs that are on your playlist right now, or it could be something from your past that still influences you. Ooh, because I am an overachiever, I'm gonna mm-hmm. make one uh, something that is recent. Uh, I want to make another one something that is just like you know my jam, something I will always listen to, and one that I just. Uh, discovered yesterday okay okay so the one that is like the most you know not yesterday but still recent uh mm-hmm. is i have finally been listening to the uh theme song to uh hbo's we are here with bob uh and okay. shangela and with eureka and the song is called i am america by shay diamond okay i have to look that up i don't know that it's such everything about it. Like the lyrics are just so spot on to what this moment is. Uh, and also the music itself just has this powerful rock beat behind it. And it mm-hmm. really does sound like <laughs> something that feels like what people think is quote unquote American music. Uh, right. but at the same time, the lyrics are so transgressive and fully take on the responsibility that I am this country. Right. Wow, that's great. I'm, I'm going to listen to these after I finish with you. <laughs> good. What's your, what's your next one? Okay, one that is like home base for me. Oh, oh. Do I want to go there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. 
It's actually Too Darn Hot by Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, wow. And one, because Miss Ella's voice don't make no sense. Of course. Uh, I love that voice. That voice is unique. Yes. So unique. So, so unique. Uh, And Too Darn Hot in particular, it's just, it's effortless in its execution. And it's actually really complicated in its Mm -hmm. composition. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, all right, for her to have this ear and for her to for her to be known for that ear, it just always reminds me of the incredible musical genius in particular that comes out of Black people. Yes. Yeah. She was je- definitely a genius. I know. Her, uh, it all Sarah Vaughn. Yes. It all came from her. So what's your third one? And my third one um, <laughs> is actually related to a... Well, no. That one was... Oh, I know what it is. It's... Um, Vincent's new song, Higher, it features Alex Newell. Okay. Gotta look that up. Off of, yeah, his uh, latest, I think it's an EP or might have been a full fledged record. Yeah, I think it's an album, There Will Be Tears. And the song just, Vincent's incredibly gorgeous voice and Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, finding love in queer spaces and in the crowd which mm-hmm. Pride season, we want more of that. And also I think coming out of a time of physical disconnection yes. uh, in this community, it's great to have a song like that that kind of reminds us all of this like one moment, this little spark we had with someone across the room. Wow. That, what a great way to end this. That's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm going to uh, um, just let you know, I have a, um, a playlist on Spotify Spotify that corresponds to the podcast. And I add songs from my guests every week. So these will be added. Yes. (laughs) But but Nehemiah, thank you so, so much. Um, It's it's a pleasure. And I'm definitely going to have you back. And um, later on, because, you know, we're actually, I'm actually going to do a visual podcast. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we'll be both. It'll be both visual and audio. Okay. So I'm, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask my guests to come back and we, we'll do a little, you know, catch up and see where you're at. Yes. And um, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for being my guest today. And everyone, please, please, please subscribe. Yes. Share to all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and until the next conversation, my name is Trans Smith.